All opinions expressed by Andrew Whalen, employees at Whalen Financial, or any other podcast guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Whalen Financial. Whalen Financial is a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Wayland Financial may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Now, I know you went to a, uh, a jazz concert, right? How was that? That was great. Was it? First time down there, right? Right. Yeah. The Smith Center, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a nice place. Surprising. It's only 10 years old. Yeah, they um, not only do they build it pretty quick, but the the demand for it's really strong. They they do a lot of shows there, um, but this is not a jazz weekly sense. So uh, the first thing we wanted to pull up this week was you know the real monstrous rally that we've seen in the stock market over the last two weeks. So what this chart shows is from the March 14th low, which a lot of people called the bottom in this correction. Now they're saying it may not be the bottom. Maybe it's a bear market bounce. I heard a lot of those same things, you know, in April um, and even in May of 2020. And only time will tell who's right on those calls. But this is pretty monstrous, right? So what this chart looks at is the Qs on the top, which is the NASDAQ, the S&P, which is in the um, uh, the orange color, and then the Dow Jones, uh, which is the light blue on the bottom, their rallies over the last two weeks. It's been a pretty remarkable rally, right, Carl? Right. I mean, it's a continuation of the rock and roll pace of uh, the correction this year. And I know some people are saying that this is a bear market bounce, but we we really don't think so yet. Because even though things have been moving quickly and there are a lot of signs that this business cycle will be short and as we'll get to talking about, you know, the yield curve inversion stuff starting this week, uh, which is which is really unique because normally you don't ever you've never seen that in the past unless you've had significant rate hikes. Right. So it's something that we're watching closely and thinking about. But. Historically, you would still have one to two years left in the business cycle, even sure. from that from that point. Yeah, but although it can vary. Yeah, being up fourteen percent in two weeks, or nine percent, or even seven percent in two weeks is is uh, is is a pretty pretty remarkable move. Now, what I didn't do, what I'd be interested to see, is what was the performance in February? Was it down thirteen or fourteen percent for the Nasdaq? I, I'm not sure what the numbers are. It's probably something like that. Yeah. Well, everyone's because the the bottom was really February. Well, on the well on the S and P, the bottom was February twenty fourth. But um, and that was that was um, the the Nasdaq low was in March, but it wasn't much lower than that. Yeah, pretty remarkable rally. But it was basically after the Fed meeting uh, when they gave clear dictation of what their plans were as far as you know, being aggressive in fighting this, this sticky inflation that we've got in the economy. And I think the markets, you know, digested that, accepted that and pushed forward. And, and what we've also noticed is kind of the numbing effect of everything that's going on in Russia and Ukraine. I know they came out a little bit earlier today and, and this week saying that, you know, the Russian forces are a little bit stretched, but it seems that the more and more news that comes out of there, the more numbing the market is to kind of that situation. Um, but a lot of this move was really more of a clear path of what the Fed 
planned to do this year, which was, you know, hike rates relatively aggressively. Right. And, and yeah. that leads into uh, this, the second chart that we've got, which now what, this isn't a meme stock, Carl, this isn't GameStop or AMC. This Although it a, could be, it looks it, like it could I mean, be. It, it looks a lot like it, doesn't it? Okay, so from the low of 2021, this, this um, uh, chart is up 73%. And like I said, it's not a meme stock. Um, it's not a cryptocurrency or an NFT. This is actually what? What is this, Carl? It's the 30-year mortgage rate. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we were, so people were asking us all last year, what's going on with housing? Is this sustainable? And a lot of it was driven by pandemic relocation and low, lower interest rates. But now that, that uh, those mortgage rates are up, uh, it looks like the housing market may be cooling. Yeah. The Wall Street Journal came out with an article this week uh, that, that ties directly with these, the, this jump in rates. You can see that drastic jump in, in 30-year mortgage rates, which currently as of today was at 4.89%. Uh, and I know Al bought a house in November and I think his rate was you know the, the high twos, uh, 275. And now it's just in the last five months, it's jumped to 489. And that's because of Fed movements. But what the Wall Street Journal came out and said was basically there was a report that came out about refinancing applications uh, fell to 15%, which is down 60% year over year. Uh, and that's not surprising, um, but that could lead to potential weakness in, in real estate over the, over the coming months and even the coming year. Right. And the reason is because the higher rates are, the more money you either have to put down to qualify for a home or show that you have assets to qualify for a home or more income that you have to show to be able to qualify for that higher interest expense on a mortgage. Right. It just makes the housing payments for a mortgage go up more. So uh, probably most people's incomes didn't go up 50 to 70 <laughs> percent. Not in two, not in, not in a, a year, not in a year and a half uh, or a year or so. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, this kind of transcends into what, what the main talking point has been so far this year, it's been on the top of everybody's mind and that is yield curve inversion. Now I'm not going to go into great detail. I'll let you take the ropes on this because I was interviewed on Yahoo finance in 2019 at the last yield curve inversion. Uh, and it was only six months later after the last yield curve inversion, that we actually had the recession that was primarily due to, to the, the lockdowns of COVID. Um, but first, maybe we talk about maybe flattening, right? Right, well, it's a good indicator and people get complicated and academic about it. And sometimes they look for reasons why this time is different, but it's, it's really very simple. When the yield curve flattens, it just means there's not as much there's not as much profit or any profit for banks to loan lend money because how banks work they lend long term and they borrow short term from depositors and Federal Reserve banks. Right. And so loans aren't profitable when the yield curve is flat or inverted. And so there's been a lot of change just in the last few months there. And so yeah, well, what's I mean, happened, you could see this, right? So this, this green line is basically three months ago. These are different treasury 
yields or uh, years, maturities, maturities, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 year. And you can see, just let's look at the five year, three months ago, it was paying one and a quarter, let's say. And today, three months later, it's at two and a half. That's a significant move. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Even the, you know, even the very short, well, not the very short stuff, but, um, but yeah, the, um, the treasuries that are, uh, out like even at like two year, one and two years are, right. are starting to go up a lot. So there's a lot of, so what's interesting about what's different about this is that there's a lot of flatness in the yield curve before we've had significant rate hikes, usually the way this works is uh, there's some there's some steepness in the yield curve and it kind of persists while the short, the very short Fed funds rate is going up. So now do you think a part of that has to do with the markets getting smarter and faster? It's possible. Um, it's also that there's there's a lot of uh, you know, we've, we're seeing inflation that we haven't seen before, even though there are a lot of reasons to think that it's, it's not, it's not permanent. It's, it's going on for longer than, than people expected, but yes, definitely like people are getting smarter and things are speeding up. And then explain to everybody what, uh, let me pull up the right chart here. What an actual inversion means, Carl. Tell everybody what that means first and why it's important. Well, all an inversion means is that a, a treasury yield of a shorter maturity is higher than a, a treasury yield of a longer maturity. And this can apply for different places in the yield curve because normally what you expect is you expect higher yields for longer maturities because if you lend anyone, or in this case, the government money, you, you expect to get paid more for a bond or a loan of a longer period of time because longer term loans are just more risky. You just have, you know, you have risk that risk. interest rates can change or, you know, that, um, you know, are you going to, are you going to get paid and all of that? Sure. So, so generally speaking, the, the yield curve should be upward sloping. And what happens as you get later in a business cycle is you start to get, um, you know, before the, before the whole yield curve inverts, which is, which happens when like the short rate, the very short rates are above the very long-term rates, you start to get little bouts of inversion in the middle and at the at the longer end, and so that's what we started to see this week. So on Monday, you know, this, you saw that the five-year Treasury yield had a slightly higher yield than the thirty-year Treasury, and it, you know, it didn't. It lasted a little while, and that's not something that you always see. Like we didn't really, um, we didn't really see it in 2019, but you saw it in 2006 and in uh, in 2000. Before you started getting the, um, you know, the Potential broader inversion yeah. of the uh, the two year, ten year spread, which we have a chart of right here. Yeah, so, so this happened. is the difference. This chart shows the difference between what a two year treasury is paying and what a ten year treasury is paying, and why it's right. important and why everybody's talking about it is right. because 
historically, it's been a fairly good indicator, not on the timing necessarily, but a fairly good indicator that an oncoming recession is is closer versus being further away. And it's and what this chart looks at is every time it goes below this zero line, which is down here on the bottom, you can see not too far after, whether that's six months over here or uh, 17 months over here or 24 months over here, um, about you know that time frame, you typically get these recessions, which are highlighted in those gray lines. So that's why it's been a big talking point. Doesn't necessarily mean uh, it, it tells you when it's going to happen. It's just an indicator of saying that hey, it's it's probably going to happen in the and closer to the nearer term than you know years out. Right. Usually, it, it means it's that uh, you know there could be a recession in like one to two years. Right. And the timing isn't real, um, real well defined because there's a lot of noise and it takes time for like bank lending to slow down. Sure. And the, I like to say the economy is kind of like a battleship in a bathtub. It, it's hard to move it around. And the shortest lengths of time that it makes sense to think about these things on are probably a, a quarter or several quarters. Yeah, well, so, I know we've got high inflation. That's going to put more pressure on the consumer. Uh, you've got the Fed aggressively raising rates, which is going to put more pressure on banks to tighten up their belts. And now you've got inversions on the yield curve. So, I mean, a lot of things, you know, from our standpoint, and we've been telling clients this, that we, we, we believe that this is a lot more compressed business cycle. And, you know, if we had to predict, you know, somewhere within the next 18 to 24 months and and if it's longer than that, that's great. That means hopefully that means that equity prices continue higher. But that's really the time frame that we're looking at uh, potentially for the next recession. And, and why it could be longer or maybe it's shorter than that is the actual. So LPL actually produced this and, and posted this um, uh, earlier this week. And what this looks at is um, the time of inversion. So these are the dates of the previous inversion going back to 1988. This is the dates, these are the dates of the peak of that market. And these are the average rates of return of the indexes from the date of the inversion to the peak of the market. And this is the time that it took. And the average time is about 17 months. The average rate of return is about 28%. So the, 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 the tricky part about what we do from a portfolio management standpoint is, is not wanting to be, oh, 100% conservative just because we got an inversion because there is some there still are some chips left on the table that we could still potentially gather but more so being a mindful reminder that we need to be cautious when we're making decisions within portfolios moving forward or more cautious decisions moving forward right so that's why we still think that things will settle down and we could even see new highs in the in the market this year yeah but we just have to be you know watching everything and watching the you know how far the fed is going to get with the rate hikes and mm -hmm. what the reaction to that is uh you know because at some, at some point they'll there will be some resistance there right well 14 percent move in two weeks is pretty big uh, I think you did point out, though, that on the down days this week, it was on lighter than average volume. And I even looked at today and it was just a little over half the average in the S&P as far as volume. Uh, right. It did sell off towards the end. And that's generally 
you know, not a sign that there's a lot of force behind, behind the selling. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to point out one, one last thing for weekly sense, just because it impacts a lot of clients. So the house just passed the secure act 2.0. So the secure act, the original version of the secure act was passed in, uh, I believe is 2018 or 2019. And essentially that raised the year for clients that when they had to take required minimum distribution. So it had always been 70 and a half. The SECURE Act raised it to age 72. The SECURE Act 2.0, which, like I said, just got passed by the House, it still has to go through the Senate, so it can be reworked a little bit. But as it stands now, they're actually raising the required minimum distribution age to age 73. That would start next year if it's passed fully. Uh, and then by 2033, it goes all the way up to age 75. So Congress is making some adjustments. It's interesting to me that they are uh, extending the age of distributions, probably looking at the average consumer. You know, We talked about a statistic a few weeks ago that 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So maybe extending the, the deferral time before they have to take distributions is something that they've got in mind. And they're also working on some things with regards to 401k plans, catch up contributions, finally potentially being able to match inside of a Roth 401k. Uh, which they can't do now. So we'll keep you, uh, you know, up to date on any of those because it does directly affect our clients. But it's just interesting to see that Congress is working on some of these policies uh, that are actually extending the age of distributions from clients uh, from 70 and a half to potentially now 75 or 73 next year if it does get passed in the way that it's written today. Right. Well, it makes sense. Life expectancies are going up and personal retirement accounts are becoming a larger part of how people save for retirement. Yeah, there's no more lifetime pensions anymore, or very few. <laughs> well, yeah, most of the companies with that stuff have uh, gone have had a bankruptcy. <laughs> right, like General Motors, Ford, <laughs> GM. So, well, very good. Anything else, Carl? That's it. We're just watching everything carefully, and uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of this year plays out. Great. Well, hey. Next time we talk, it'll be in April. This first quarter's done. Uh, we will be putting out our quarterly commentary uh, within the next few weeks. So keep an eye out on that. And if you guys have any questions, make sure to email us uh, or hit the comment button below. Uh, we always love talking about this stuff. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate you. Stay tuned. All opinions expressed by Andrew Whalen, employees at Whalen Financial, or any other podcast guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Whalen Financial. Whalen Financial is a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Whalen Financial may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.